He said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. 
I think she's a liar, and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, hey, y'all. How's it going? What's up out there, podcast land, profane faithers? Man alive. Well, how'd you like uh, Brother Noam Chomsky breaking down colonialism there at the beginning, huh? Ooh, some crazy stuff, especially on surveillance how power is used. Oh my gosh. Yo, this week, um, man, there's a lot on my mind, actually. Um, a lot going on personally, um, a lot going on <laughs> internally. Um, yeah. So trying to get my thoughts here together. Um, last three weeks, if you've been following, you know, we've covered, uh, the docuseries surviving R. Kelly. And I had three amazing women on, to talk about their experiences with sexual abuse, not just R. Kelly and his music, but just sexual abuse, particularly as it pertains to faith in the church, um, what those attributes look like in real time, meaning uh, what have women had to deal with uh, when it comes to men in particularly, um, you know, forcing themselves on them and then the culture of that. Um, I, you know, we, I don't even think we scratched the surface and there's so much more to cover and so, Continue to stay tuned. I think there is a lot more to uncover. This week, uh, I have a great guest on. We had an amazing conversation uh, here at my house uh, in Chicago on the west side. And, um, you know, talking about colonialism. And I think for me as a calm theorist and someone who studies the elements of rhetoric as they come across in media, um, I... You know, there was, a, there was a book that came out back in the 80s uh, called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Neil Postman, uh, maybe some of you have read it. Uh, it's an amazing little read. And uh, he was making some interesting insights in particularly to media. Um, now he didn't necessarily make the racial connections and, and kind of the, some of the connections that uh, Chomsky was making here in regards to power. Uh, but several other scholars have, have, have made that in, in regards to how colonialism uh, steps into controlling the masses through different forms uh, in, in the media. Um, and so basically what uh, Brother uh, was talking about in Amusing Ourselves Death, uh, Neo, he was talking about how, for example, news organizations are simply out for ratings. So there's no way that they can actually do a good job of telling you the news. They're gonna tell you the most sobbish story, the most horrific thing, because at the end of the day, they have stakeholders that wanna make money. He's like, so it's really uh, uh, perilous to, 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 to weigh ourselves and, and to see ourselves in the media and being serious. He's like, you know, television has its, is, um, its place. He's like, he liked sports and 
some entertainment. He said, but news and, you know, serious things like that. He's like, you know, he said, it's just, it's entertainment. He's like, you know, and so we've amused ourselves to death basically uh, by numbing ourselves by what we listen to. Now, this is an on or what we take in. Now, this is an ongoing argument that's been being said for a long time. It was an area of my dissertation research that I was hoping to explore more. But I mean, if any of you know who are doctoral programs, been in doctoral programs or thinking about doctoral programs, you got to stay focused as hell on, and on your dissertation. So um, uh, it's it's something that I've explored with and, and toyed with a little bit uh, in, over the few years. What, how does mind control happen uh, in space? How does man and, and not necessarily outer space. I'm talking about space and place. You show up to a mall and how are things already manipulated so that you can get to the sale table? Um, you know, how is subliminal messaging set up so that you buy you know, this next latest and greatest thing, right? I mean, I think Apple uh, has done an amazing job of, of creating that sense of need and desire, right? Um, with their products, uh, you know, they really don't even have to uh, advertise anymore. They are, you know, kind of the queen queen bee and, and king bee of, uh, of marketing, right? Because it's like every time they come out with a new thing, it's like, oh, I got to get that, I got to get that. And certain manufacturers have been found out to be uh, to have their devices uh, faulty out in uh, you know after two years. I remember when I taught at Cal State LA, um, I actually had two programmers that were uh, paid by on contract with Microsoft so that they could launch viruses and bugs on software, old software, so that people would upgrade to the new software. Yeah, that really happened, man. That really that really was going on. So, um, yeah, it's interesting what colonialism can do and settler colonialism. Um, and just particularly how we think of heroes or people that we lift up on high. Uh, and that's really the conversation that I had with my guest this week, uh, Obed. Uh, and we talked a lot about just his experience as an Indian, uh, particularly an Indian who came from uh, colonized environments. And I am continually amazed by folks who have not grown up in the U.S. and but have been influenced by U.S. and American politics, and particularly how English is is really transported out into other environments. And so, Brother Obed Manwatkar, he's a Ph.D. research scholar in uh, subaltern theology from India. Area of research is Tale of Two Mahatmas, Mahatma Fool and Mahatma Gandhi, which is what we're going to get into here in a second. Uh, their contributions towards women's emancipation. Brother Obed is, is breaking some stuff down. He's fitting to be a, a, a doctor. And so uh, I was thankful to his wife, uh, Bailey, uh, who uh, I had as a student. I was fortunate to have a student. And then she uh, graduated. And then she was, just, you know, she reached out to me. She's like, yo, you got to get my husband on here. And, um, you know, he would make an amazing episode on Profane Faith. And I was like, let's do it. And so we finally arranged for this to happen. And he and I got a chance to sit down and just talk and really just fellowship. Um, and it's interesting just to hear his story um, and to see how colonialism, how parts of control, how particularly when we think of Gandhi, uh, you know, as a hero, you know, think about Martin Luther King and and, you know, his his, his pilgrimage there. Um, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. I ain't going to break anything away. He's, he's going to break it down. He's going to break it down. This is part of his own uh, research. But I do think that colonialism is a hell of a drug. And it is a way of creating a sense of superiority by those who are in control. Um, I've done stuff, you know, just experiments in the classroom um, on power and control, and it's, it's, it's easy. 
easy to manipulate uh, within a classroom setting. Uh, and I'm just one power figure. Right. Can you imagine, you know, when you have your television, commercials, music, um, print, ads, newspapers, everything reinforcing a particular idea. It's always amazing to me how we as humans are so easily distracted with, you know, with different messages and stuff. And so critical thinking is a, a, a vast resource that I don't think we that we take for sometimes oftentimes for granted. And I think part of what Obed is doing is, is, is trying to bring us back and help us better understand, uh, you know, what that means, and particularly in relation to God, faith, race, all those things. So, short introduction, because I want to get right to this this week. Here's Brother Obed and I talking a little bit about his experience and colonialism. Check it out, y'all. All right, we're officially recording. All right. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for joining me today here in the White Hodge Manor. <laughs> um, and uh, thank you for coming all the way out on this very frigid, cold day in January. Good to have you. Good to have you, too. Man, brother. Well, um, for the folks that might not know you and know your work, man, what? how did you get from birth to now? What happened between birth and today <laughs> uh, that's a long long story yes. uh, the the goodness of the lord of the bible and uh, his mercy endures forever all right and uh, yeah i'm born i was born in india okay uh, my hometown is nagpur and it's like right in the center of India. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in slums of Nagpur. And uh, so my childhood was totally uh, surrounded by the activists. You know, I, I heard Panther, <laughs> Panther stories, no? Yes. Uh, like yeah. America had the Black Panther movement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We in India had Dalit Panther movement. Okay. So, uh, fighting against caste and also I grew up using uh, like hearing Panther slogans and also uh, that impacted a lot. Mm -hmm. My childhood impacted a lot mm -hmm. in my life. And uh, Nagpur, my hometown is a historical town. Uh, it's a land where the world's largest conversion took place. Mm. Six million people on 14th October 1956 embraced Buddhism. Whoa. Okay. Under the okay. leadership of Dr. B.R. Ambedkar. Interesting. Who is the Martin Luther King Jr. of India. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, who uh, Dr. Ambedkar drafted uh, the Constitution of India. He wrote the Constitution of India. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, and the constitution was enacted on 26 January 1950. Okay. So, and uh, yeah, Dr. B. R. Ambedkar, Mahatma Phule, uh, these these are the heroes of uh, India and uh, subalterns of India. So they have impact, uh, impacted my life a lot. And I've been hearing about uh, stories of struggles and all grew up, uh, uh, grew up, uh, listening to all the struggle stories and my whole neighborhood was uh, uh, Dalit so uh, there is one caste group of Dalit that is Mahar okay Mahar that is the word means the greatest enemy of Brahmanism Brahmanism hmm. the caste system mm -hmm. so I grew up uh, uh, my surrounding neighborhood was totally Dalits and 
माय ग्रैंडफादर ही एम्ब्रेस क्रिश्चियनिटी इन 1930s ओके एंड बिकॉज महार द दलित अनटचेबल ग्रुप दैट इज अनटचेबल ग्रुप इज आउट कैस्ट ग्रुप सो देड अप ऑफ द कैस्ट टॉर्चर्स एंड ऑल्सो एंड ही फाउंड जीजस एज द रिडेम रिडीमर फॉर फ्रॉम स्लेवरी एंड ही एम्ब्रेस क्रिश्चियनिटी नाइनटीन थ्रू एंग्लिकन मिशनरीज इन इंडिया एंड देन लेटर ऑन द कैरावा बिगैन एंड ही आफ्टर लाइक बैटलिंग कैस्ट ही वॉज लाइक ही वॉज आफ्टर बिकमिंग क्रिश्चन ही वॉज इन्वॉल्व इन द मूवमेंट विद डॉक्टर अम्बेडकर ओके सो डॉक्टर बी आर अम्बेडकर ही वॉज इंस्पायर्ड थ्रू एब्राहम लिंकन्स एमेंसिपेशन प्रोक्लेमेशन एंड सो ही फाउंडेड रिपब्लिकन पार्टी ऑफ इंडिया ओके ओके to combat caste so interesting yeah so dr b r ambedkar like he uh, he if you see his picture he like he wears a blue coat and tie uh-huh. and, and he uh, up, uh, he proclaims himself as republican he says he is a friend of krishna <laughs> and uh, he uh, he uh, was an amazing and he says that moses is my hero who inspired me okay to take okay. my people out of the slavery yeah to the promised land so basically hmm. dr b r ambedkar embraced buddhism not the buddhism of the world he embraced like he introduced a neo buddhism mm-hmm. and he wrote buddha and his dhamma dhamma is a pali word which is translated as gospel so he wrote gospel of buddha and in the in the introduction he says that that uh there was only one person who brought gospel in this world his name was jesus christ wow. and through the christ so like through the inspiration of jesus christ mm-hmm. i'll write i wrote i am writing buddha and his dhamma buddha and his gospel <laughs> so that is christ centered uh, buddhism mm-hmm. like and he himself told to his followers that those who are atheist yes teach them buddha <laughs> and those who are theist mm mm-hmm. you teach them christ <laughs> interesting <laughs> so interesting and he he himself said like uh, he himself was so modernized that you should wear coat and tie and go into the society and teach mm-hmm. them uh, principles of buddha and christ parallelly so that is navayana that is neo buddhism uh the new denomination of buddhism is <laughs> so, that right i have yeah. no idea <laughs> yeah so uh so that's how uh, dr b r ambedkar impacted my life my grandfather was involved in the republican party of india movement mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, uh, as a legal advisor in in one of the party group okay so and so later on my grandfather uh, in 1940s he sees the whiteness of the church mm-hmm. so so like there was so discrimination in the church mm-hmm. that the white people had different lord supper and the brown people had different lord supper services so he rebelled against that he revolted against that with the with few of the people groups mm-hmm. and uh, local farmers and laborers they protested against that discrimination okay church didn't care so my grandfather 
and all those people who revolted they said to hell with your church we'll plant our own church so so in 1940s uh, they planted a new church and that church is still standing without any support of white missionaries or i think they like they all collected money uh-huh. from their own uh, savings and all yeah. and they planted a church they started a new church and in their own language Oh my gosh, <laughs> brother! So this is it was like this is like Wakanda, man. Yeah, this is the Wakanda of India, man. So yeah. it's untouched by white missionaries. Yeah, and to this day, it's still up. Yeah. Wow. See, it can be done. It can be, can, done. It can be done. And uh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I I'm from that church, and I grew up in that church, and uh, uh, yeah, I was involved in doing worship and also. uh singing groups and also but uh at the age of 17 when i was in my teenage lord touched me in a uh in a youth conference mm-hmm. in punjab okay uh, north india so so i felt like god is calling me mm-hmm. for his mission and uh i started i gave my life to the lord and uh then i was sent to seminary Uh, in punjab okay i did my bachelor's of theology uh, from uh, punjab bible college in ludhiana punjab okay after so in uh, in the seminaries also i mm-hmm. i saw the discrimination and also i was a student body leader in my final year like in the third year of uh, my bth so i saw the discrimination and because indian christianity is also designed like white christianity yeah okay okay so so india like when i say india india is the world's largest diverse country in the world like it's the most diverse country in the world uh-huh. early christianity begins from india mm-hmm. apostle thomas came to india okay and uh, then uh, buddhism was founded in india jainism comes from india and sikhism comes from india okay okay so all uh, and that like sufi movement the the charismatic islam the singing islam no yeah. that that comes from india I didn't that know has that. roots from india i didn't so, not know that <laughs> so we have a, a rich legacy wow yeah rich legacy of uh, radical saints mm-hmm. who were one god people like uh, there was saint kabir and bulle shah and lot of uh, it means like there were tons and tons of uh, saints and their legacy wow so i come from that country and my neighborhood was alet then we moved to different uh, community uh, different uh, area uh, there were like all mixed like muslims and sikhs and so yeah so caste has always been uh, the reality of entire south asia and i'm not just india but it is more often ignored mm-hmm. by the world Uh, the caste is the father of racism <laughs> if you say uh, every like we have 8000 plus caste groups in india 8000 yeah <laughs> so man yeah. i thought the west side and the south side were bad 8000 8000 8000 caste groups and uh, we are uh, divided and you know, totally inhuman system and uh, so the the wrongs of the church was apostle thomas comes to india mm-hmm. 
and that's the storyline thomas comes to india <laughs> and uh, and he, he <laughs> and he sees four brahmins those who are priests like uh, the caste system is so uh, uh, like like one uh, means like every caste has the pride that they are superior than the other okay so there are four major caste groups brahmin that is the priest mm mm-hmm. kshatriyas the warriors the okay. rulers okay the traders uh, uh means the banias and fourth is obcs the government calls them obcs they are shudras in uh, in caste system shudras means the slaves the government calls them obcs other backward caste oh so obcs are the farmers uh obcs they sell uh they are gardeners mm-hmm. no uh, they are washermans so uh, though all the all the hard working musclemen job yeah. are done by obcs okay and uh, and the outcast are mm-hmm. dalits and tribals the untouchables we call them okay so outcasts are for where my grandfather comes from <laughs> so he was uh, born as outcast so Dr. Ambedkar comes from that outcast group. So, uh, outcasts are assigned all menial jobs, like manual scavenging. It's still, it's still uh, alive in India. Manual scavenging. Yeah, the sanitation work. Yeah. So, one caste group is assigned to do that job. And there is no modern machinery in India to it. But, and you can see the data that people are dying mm-hmm. in this country. cleaning the sewages oh, and all yeah. yeah so that's a horrible horrible system and uh, to uh, to combat that system ambedkar phule and radical mukti saints and from it began from buddha mm-hmm. who revolted <laughs> and so and that caravan is still going on and fight against caste system is still going on and church mm-hmm. uh when apostle thomas came to india apostle thomas what he sees that's the story line that oh there is a he sees four priest brahmins uh, uh, bathing in the uh, and worshiping the sun in the in the sea and like they are worshiping and they are chanting some mantras in sanskrit so apostle thomas uh he he doesn't know what the system is going on <laughs> it's like 3500 years of old system and so apostle thomas uh preaches them the gospel mm-hmm. they come to the lord they receive the lord jesus christ as their savior and the church starts i mean like the church movement begins so today till today their generations mm-hmm. they practice caste system in the church in the church too in the church okay so dalit christians the tribal convert christians the dalit convert christians mm-hmm. they have different graveyards they have different churches and brahmin <laughs> convert christians they have different uh, all the services <laughs> man so man. <laughs> yeah so uh, uh, so when uh, this this uh, the church practices this system and so uh, today uh, recently we had uh, uh, like in 2015 i think yeah mm-hmm. 2015 uh, the kkk of india 
like RSS. We have also fundamentalist group in India, RSS. They organized a, a, meet, a meeting, Christmas gathering. Okay. And few of the uh, uh, bishops came. And the bishop quotes Bhagavad Gita in a Christmas gathering. <laughs> and uh, he said like, oh, fine, cast it beautiful. And we should practice that and all. <laughs> so that was like, that doesn't surprise me. But uh, the church doesn't care about the system. Yeah. Indian church is designed as a caste understanding. So when you say contextualizing the gospel yes right. so the context contextualization and whole church mm-hmm. the the gospel came to the brahmins the oppressors of the country so by the the oppressors were uh, dangerous oppressors but when they get the gospel they become more powerful <laughs> and they began and they began to suppress the oppress the communities, uh-huh. the marginalized ones. Okay. And uh, so a church model uh, has become more pathetic. <laughs> hmm. And all the, they say like contextualization, oh, we should seek the Christ in Vedas. And uh, Bhagavad Gita, but Vedas were written against my own people. <laughs> Man. Because Vedas, the Manu code, Manu Smriti, and all all these Sanskrit texts, they teach the religion of caste. They have... Wow. So, yeah, this is the system. And so, Brahmin, Kshatriyas, and Vaishyas, they combine 7% of the population of India. Wow. And 93% of the population, yeah. uh, they are OBCs, the Dalits, the tribals. And majority of the Christians mm-hmm. come from Dalits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and few of them are Brahmins. So Dalits and Brahmins, the gospel is limited till Dalits and Brahmins. No one cares about OBCs, who are washermen, who are who are farmers. So there is no gospel for the farmer in India. There is no gospel for the shepherd in India. Although Christ man. says <laughs> he is a good shepherd. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this then. What has been the influence of colonialism? Hmm. Colonialism, uh, well, uh, colonialism. Uh, if we if we trace the history of India, uh, colonialism came as a um, as a as a revival <laughs> for the oppressed caste groups. What colonialism helped is uh, they got access to English. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> because this caste group. OBCs and Dalits and tribals, mm-hmm. they were denied to get access to Sanskrit. Okay. They were denied priesthood. They were denied getting in power. Mm-hmm. So they were all uh, marginalized because of this caste system. British rule came in 1757, 1757 okay. in India. First ever time, the Robert Clive comes from, from Bengal, enters into the interest into India as an East India Company. And then they start uh, fighting with uh, kings and monarchs and that's the whole lot of bunch of history. So 1757, <laughs> they come and then they uh, slowly, 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 they capture Delhi, the capital. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, they open education for all. Mm-hmm. And basically, colonizers, the Britishers, 
ईस्ट इंडिया कंपनी दे बैंड क्रिश्चियन मिशनरीज टू कम टू इंडिया ओके बिकॉज दे डिन वॉन्टेड टू प्रोमोट क्रिश्चियनिटी इन इंडिया दे जस्ट वॉन्टेड टू रूल बट फ्यू ऑफ द मिशनरीज रिवोल्टेड एंड दे प्रोटेस्टेड अगेन नो 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 गॉस्पल इज फॉर ऑल सो वी वॉन्ट टू कम सो वन ऑफ द क्रिश्चियन मिशनरीज इज विलियम खेरी येस विलियम खेरी इज वन ऑफ द फाइनेस्ट मॉडल क्रिश्चियंस हुम एडमायर हिम ओके एंड ही केम टू इंडिया and then he uh, started his ministry 11 years of his ministry learned 33 different languages translated the bible in 33 different languages of india and uh, powerful missionary and uh, his journey is so uh, inspiring yeah he opened medical colleges sarampur university in india and uh, william carey after william carey uh then or uh, then rises mahatma phule and ambedkar so so because of the schools planted by christian missionaries okay. because of the schools uh, uh, the colonization so phule and ambedkar came into existence <laughs> okay <laughs> so basically i'm not justifying that colonization was good but the marginalized community of yeah. india yeah uh they were already colonized <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> so so this british colonization is just modern colonization is 250 years mm-hmm. they ruled british ruled 250 years before that india was ruled by muslims 800 years before that uh the aryans they invaded india so it's 3500 years of the slavery of the caste system mm-hmm. uh, invented by the aryans who are brahmin kshatriyas and vaishyas they who till today it exists and they control the priesthood they control the uh, they control the politics they control the economy mm-hmm. of india what and and for those you know who are listening i mean can you break down cuz people hear aryans and they think oh man was well, the nazis back then man so <laughs> break down the aryans and and what yeah. uh, and what yeah and what the, and what that was or who, who it is uh ethnic groups or uh, ethnic- that that that's was a ethnic group yeah aryans they they registered him, themselves as aryans okay so that's not i am not blaming that nazis and all so swastika is still a religious symbol of hinduism mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh, basically swastika is a political symbol in the west but swastika is a religion in india mm. because uh, and uh, i have been hosting mission trips in india so uh, one of the uh, girl who was in mission trip and she is half jewish and uh, in uh, while in the mission trip when she saw one house having swastika <laughs> uh, so she was like scared yeah, and bet, she was bet, she literally asked me what is this and so i said hold on calm down calm down this is the religious symbol of hinduism mm-hmm. and they they worship swastika mm-hmm. so and uh, one of the one of the brahmin uh, progressive brahmin leader like you have white moderates so we have we had progressive brahmins too mm-hmm. so progressive brahmin leader named as dayanand saraswati he formed arya samaj aryan society okay in later at the full era in 18th century in 19th century 18th hmm. century sorry so he founded uh, arya samaj in 19th century 18th yeah 19th century sorry okay yeah in 19th century uh, 
Swami Dayanand Saraswati founded Arya Samaj. And when people asked that why not Hindu society, why Aryan society? So he himself said that we are Aryans, we mm-hmm. are not Hindus. And Hindu is a Persian word. Yeah. Uh, it's not a Sanskrit word. It's a Persian word. And Muslim rulers, when they came to India, mm-hmm. they they called the the Brahmins and Kshatriyas and Vaishya, the oppressors, as Hindus. Mm-hmm. So Hindu means black thief. <laughs> In Persian <laughs> dictionary. <laughs> the word Hindu means black thief. And so they blamed them, they, they titled them as black thieves, Hindus. So that's how the word Hindu comes up. Hmm. in uh, discourse and later on Arya Samaj when it was founded so he, they differentiate that we are Aryans you OBCs Dalits and tribals you are Hindus we are not interesting <laughs> fascinating stuff man fascinating so stuff. yeah so India uh, basically it's so 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 uh 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 what do you say? Lots of cultures, lots of languages, lots of uh, monarchs and kings, mm-hmm. and lots of uh, lots of ideas and lots of religions existed in from India to combat the caste system. Yeah. So Buddhism, Buddha's Buddha revolted against caste. Okay. No, Mahavira, the Jain Jain follower Jain, he revolted against caste. But Jainism later on surrendered to Brahmanism, Hinduism, and now they they are totally like oh fine we are part of hinduism <laughs> but invasions happened a lot of bloodshed have happened in india hmm. uh, means like if you compare the world india is the land every every uh, particle of the land is washed with blood <laughs> huh. so wow. so much of invasions in india what so what so what's so what's drawn you with all that man what's drawn you to study theological education man i mean what yeah you know say so, and yeah. then, and then with that keep that in mind i, mm-hmm. I cuz i also want to get to this question um i was recently on like instagram and somebody they was posting some pictures about you know it was mlk day recently and so people somebody was talking and they had all these pictures of different you know peace leaders and on one of them they had gandhi <laughs> Yeah. And I remember our conversation. And yeah. so I, I definitely want to get to that because yeah. it's gotten me to think much differently about who Gandhi is. And I don't know if a lot of my listeners even know about the, mm. you know, the truth about who Gandhi is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Gandhi uh, is not the person whom you think whom he's, who is presented. He's painted as a saint and messianic figure in front of the world. And his movie has gone to Oscars. So yeah, people, yeah. oh, wow, wow. Like uh, uh, general Americans and uh, uh, those who uh, like those who don't want to get into it, like they just say, oh, do you want to listen? You want to learn about Gandhi? Watch that movie. <laughs> that's right. what, no, but that's not the real Gandhi is. Gandhi is designed, Gandhi's myth of Mahatma, the great soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mahatma means the great soul. So the Gandhi myth, the Mahatma myth, has desi- was designed by the Baptist missionaries in South Africa. Mm. Uh, and they started naming him Mahatma, the great soul, great soul. But Gandhi's reality is, well, 
like now the things are changing world is changing so recently there was a news that professors of ghana university mm-hmm. they pulled down the gandhi statue mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was a big news in the world so uh, people are uh, people were like many people pro gandhians they were like oh wow they they it's like a symbol of hatred and all they hate gandhi so it's not uh, about hatred or hate speech gandhi was a staunch racist hmm. gandhi was staunch casteist gandhi was a sexual predator and in the 3000 history of humankind i say if i say gandhi was the greatest liar ever mm. born in in this world mm. yeah. well break that down brother break that down because i know there's gonna be people i believe you but i know there's people like wait wait a minute you're, not, you're talking about gandhi man he's he was uh, yeah. the martin luther king yeah he's a gandhi is a, a cunning politician okay he knows All whom right. to say what okay All when right. to say what yeah where to say what he will go to dr king and say hey, wow non violence wow no hey, yeah black should get justice no he will go to albert einstein he met right. albert einstein right, and right, he right. said hey, wow science is so awesome no he will go to muslims oh wow your quran speaks so, so beautiful he will go to christians wow that wow jesus christ and uh, the sermon on the mount and wow he would he would just glorify but in in his own country and even in south africa what gandhi is like gandhi is born in india he grows up in india he goes to london to study law he comes back from london after studying law spends two years in india goes to south africa mm-hmm. to practice law okay and after few years in south africa he comes to india and becomes a anti colonial hero that's his journey so in this journey when he goes to london Bef- uh, so he he goes like vegan veganism and all those stuff he he practices there and in his autobiography he writes and then he comes back and then his father father is dying and when his father is dying he is having uh he goes like he he does martial rape on his wife <clears throat> who was pregnant and he does sexual intercourse with her and because of that forceful sexual intercourse he loses his son gandhi himself writes it writes it <laughs> in his autobiography this is this is his words it is uh, these are his words yeah so then he goes to south africa mm-hmm. and uh, the main like mythical story like oh he revolts because in the train he is discriminated while traveling in the train in south africa but basically he wanted that he should be treated like white colonizers that's the truth behind the story that Man. he wants to be treated like oh a white collar stuff like oh i i uh, i am greater i am superior than black people of south africa that is his intention hmm. and many times he repeatedly in his own writing he used the word kafir that's the racial slur banned in south africa right now like the n word is banned in united states okay what's that word again kafir okay so that's okay that's a racial slur uh-huh. he repeatedly used in his writings 
uh, while addressing the black people of South Africa. Jeez. He made an army of Indian immigrants in South Africa to uh-huh. help the colonizers against the uh, black people who were revolting against the colonization. So he uh, and there he does a lot of uh, sexual experiments. He becomes friends with Leo Tolstoy, the famous poet. Yeah, the to- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, he gives him a land to open his ashram. And ashram means like where uh, young boys and girls. And he does the sexual experiments like, oh, oh. you can you can oh. bathe in front of me. Oh, little poor girls. Oh. I'll just keep my eyes shut. Oh. I want to test my uh, resistance of sexual things and also <laughs> those are the experiments. okay wow <laughs> so and, well i got so many questions so i mean who's sending these kids first of all and then so these are kids showing up to this place yeah kids who were orphans and uh, who oh, were homeless and yeah. so he used to uh do that and and people like he he's he's a mahatma no he's painted as a mahatma he's a great soul so great soul can do no wrong Mm. No, he's like holy, holy, holy person. So like uh, many parents think like, oh, he's a holy person. So our kids will, if our kids raise up in his uh, direction, so like uh, they can grow up and they will become a good good person in the world. So that's the intention. And so Gandhi does that in Leo Tolstoy's farm. And then he, when he comes to India, he... He opens a lot of ashrams and he like in on record in his writings, he has slept with like 17 to 18 women. Hmm. All were young girls, including his grandniece, hmm. Manu Gandhi. Yeah, that one, that one got me, man. You, you told me that. I was like, yeah, Lee <laughs> Gandhi, boy. <laughs> and Jeez. so he's uh, sexually assaulting the young girls and sleeping naked with them and he's like I want to test like it's like saying that I want to abstain my temptations like I want to abstain from temptations so let me watch many much porn movies (laughs) it seemed like you know (laughs) good night yeah and he uh, wow he he also done a lot of damage Uh, today people are getting lynched for uh, like like people who are Muslims, especially mm-hmm. in India, today they are getting lynched because the common term, oh, they eat beef, they eat cow meat. So that's why let's uh, people are lynching them. So who who is the who is the person who sowed the seed, who has sown the seed of cow worship? Yeah, he's Gandhi. So Gandhi brought that then. cow worship. Okay, yeah, cow, cow worship. is your mother, Gandhi. Gandhi says this, and I quote, that mother cow is far more better than the mother who gives you birth. Hmm. And and so when our mother dies, no, he, he explains how, how she is greater, how cow is greater than the mother who gives us birth. Because when the cow dies, we can use her bones to make some medicines. When our mother dies, we cannot use her bones. <laughs> okay. So, so that's a scientific wow. temper that he he wants to generate from that. Yeah, yeah. What kind of I don't know. It's so inhuman that uh, you are glorifying an animal mm-hmm. as your mother, mm-hmm. and uh, you are giving uh, you are justifying that by giving such a scientific reasons. And 
uh, he uh, the cow worship and he was staunch casteist in if you read his writings in gujarati in his own mother tongue that he supported the caste system he called it varnashrama dharma the the religion of caste mm-hmm. so he named a new term for religion of caste and ambedkar understood that he was contemporary to gandhi okay he understood that and he many times he when ambedkar and gandhi debate has started they they had lot of talks so ambedkar asked him that when britishers would go britishers are living in india so will will dalits and brahmins and everyone should will eat at the same table or not so gandhi says that if the outcasts are eating with me on the same table i don't want such kind of freedom the caste system should remain that's a holy system in 1936 uh, dr ambedkar writes annihilation of caste the book he publishes the annihilation of caste how the caste should be annihilated gandhi writes an essay my ideal scavenger so he says that it's a spiritual bliss while you clean the gutters of the <laughs> <laughs> so you should be thankful that you're cleaning, cleaning the gutters yeah so like wow it's it's a spiritual bliss that's a spiritual awakening when you clean the gutter so wow. and he has done a tremendous damage four generations are suffering i interviewed gandhi's grandniece uh-huh. uh, 6 years ago uh-huh. she, now she is no more but as when she was in her last stage i too and in her last stage also she was so traumatized and mm. let and she agreed that yeah my grandfather did this to me and now is this part <laughs> of your dissertation and your study as well and and kind of yeah. what because again going back to what led you to to do this uh, theological <laughs> a phd yeah. here you are i mean and I mean, because this is some revealing stuff, right? I mean, yeah. about who Gandhi is. And I remember hearing rumors of this years ago, but I didn't want to believe it, right? Because it's yeah. like you've, it's been, it, you know, it's the power of print, it's the power of media, the, pure, the power of propaganda, right? It's yeah. like you, you know, you believe what is, oh, yeah, this was a peaceful person and stuff. You know, yeah, they yeah. just wanted peace. But now, you know, it's like now <laughs> that all these things are coming revealed. Yeah. What got you into this and like is this part of your dissertation study as well? Yes. Uh my area of research is uh Tale of Two Mahatmas. Okay. Phule and Gandhi. Their contribution towards women's emancipation. It's a mm. biblical analysis. So there were two Mahatmas in India. So Mahatma Jyotirao Phule who was greater Mahatma than Gandhi who was uh, when Gandhi was in his mother's womb Mahatma Jyotirao Phule was fighting for women's emancipation in the society in uh, in maharashtra state of india and he is the pioneer of the f- uh, champion pioneer of the women's education in india uh, he and his wife they both together he educated his wife first savitri bai phule and he uh, they both opened a school first ever girls school in india with four girls uh, in 1848 and and so because so every woman in india owes mahatma phule and savitri bai phule so hmm. uh, because because of their revolution mm-hmm. they started first ever girls school in 1848 and then school 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 all over uh, in pune uh, pune uh, city of india and now you you can see there are many women uh, we had uh, indira gandhi 
the first women prime minister of india and uh, women are coming in politics women are coming uh, women are uh, growing up so because of the revolution started by them and mahatma phule was inspired through christian missionaries and uh, he his inspiration is harriet beecher stowe and then he was inspired to thomas paine rights okay. of man uh-huh. and then he uh, many of the scottish missionaries who raised him up in their school schools because uh, when he was admitted in the school people told his father that this is sinful they are colonizing you hmm. they will brainwash you they will convert you into christianity our religion is so great and also then a uh, uh, few of the uh, muslim neighbors mm-hmm. encouraged his father hey if if that is so, the going to the english school is sinful why the brahmin children go there hmm. to study yeah 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 so uh, then he was readmitted to school and he started studying and uh, he wrote a tremendous literature <laughs> he wrote a, a, a most famous book is slavery hmm so his slavery book is that's the one you recommended to me right yeah. yes 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 so in slavery book he says he how he mentions the history how the aryans invade india mm-hmm. how the caste system they they plant caste system mm-hmm. and then uh, he like as a prophetical uh, prophetically he sees india as his israel the promised land and so aryans came up they invented the caste system they planted the caste system to to teach them a lesson god sent muslim rulers <laughs> that's what fule says god sent muslim rulers to teach them a lesson to dismantle the caste system but muslims were lost in their luxury and so they forgot why god brought them so that's yeah. why god sent britishers <laughs> british colonizers <laughs> to india and in the british colonial rule he 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 wrote that book he said this is a golden chance hmm to get rid of your slave get english education okay and get liberated hmm and so he uh, mentioned that and in the 10th chapter of slavery yeah he d- does an allegorical uh, view and he uses allegory that uh, there is a story of ancient king called as bali raja bali raja means sacrificial king so uh in ancient india like he mentions in the mythical stories that uh, uh vishnu the god of the brahmins mm-hmm. when they invade india so bali raja was the king righteous king ruling here in india and in his rule there was no caste there was no racism there was equality there was there was there was no gender no everyone was treated equal so they cheated bali raja and they uh, that's the story that they have thrown him to the patala the hell they say so so mahatma phule interprets the word patala mm-hmm. patala means south it doesn't mean hell so mahatma phule said they sent him to the south so so very south of india in geographical way if you see the map yeah so he was sent to south south means south is america and europe <laughs> <laughs> so so mahatma phule explains that he is sent to europe uh-huh and he liberates the poor peasant workers poor laborers mm-hmm. in europe 
and United States. Mm-hmm. He was crucified. He was resurrected, and and there is a and the people of India are still waiting. There is a tradition of uh, festival of Onam in South India still going on. Okay. So once a, once in a year, like in every September or August, they celebrate Onam nine days festival. Like they celebrate the coming of Bali Raja. Hey. Uh, the kingdom of Bali Raja has come. No? Okay. So Mahatma Phule, that story is still alive. And Mahatma Phule says in his book, Slavery, that he already came. He was crucified. <laughs> he was resurrected. His name is Jesus Christ. And he, uh, and he says like, when the people of Bali Raja of the West, when they come to you, embrace them as your brothers and sisters. Hmm. They will help you to fight the evils of caste. Wow. <laughs> Man. He, he generates that. That's a full A. Yeah. Wow. Bam, <laughs> brother. This is crazy, man. I'm, oh, my gosh. This is good stuff. So how do you engage with Christianity and, you know, with, with where things are at, particularly here in the United States, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, evangelicalism has lost its damn mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most of them. not I mean, not people themselves. I mean, yes, people themselves, but not everybody, right, who claims themselves as an evangelical is, is crazy. But I'm just saying the ideology around... Mm-hmm. The U.S. the American evangelicalism is just it's 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 crazed right now. So yep. <laughs> curious, man. What um, what do you see yourself doing, man, in 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 the future, man, and engaging with this stuff? I mean, how do you engage also with Sikhs and Muslims and and Buddhists and and whatnot, man? Yeah. So basically, uh, as I already told, my I come from a legacy of my grandfather mm-hmm. who has seen caste. As well as the whiteness of the church. Okay. <laughs> so I am aware of whiteness. How whiteness is ugly dance of whiteness is here, and <laughs> ugly dance of Brahmanism in India, yeah. and everywhere fundamentalism is ruling. And and I believe I believe that God is not finished with the world yet, and God of the God of all nations. Who is the God of the Bible? Amen. And He is not finished with the world yet. So if church Church doesn't care of millions of people living in slavery. So God will raise people. <laughs> and and church is losing its vision. I agree with that. And evangelical Christianity, if you say, evangelical Christianity has done a lot of damage in the past too. You know, evangelical Christianity, if you say they supported the apartheid in South Africa. And uh, I... I have seen few white evangelicals repenting, but there is no collective repentance for the apartheid. Mm -hmm. There is no collective repentance from the church that, yes, we were wrong. And I see that God is still working (laughs) and God is raising people. And apart from all the evangelical Christianity and uh, uh, things are totally gone mess, so God has left the building. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God is not in the buildings. God is in the people. God God is uh, in the slums of in India. God, you can see God in the suburbs where the black people or the African-Americans are living. Mm-hmm. You know, God, uh, you can see God in the homeless person who is 
homeless you can see god in lgbtq people mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so god is working yes and apart from all the stuff going on an upper level all the whiteness and brahmanism and all church is growing church is growing numerically mm-hmm. people are hungry for god and yes uh, african american churches are growing yes hispanic churches are growing yes. and uh, indian churches are growing mm-hmm. you know and you uh, and if you say talk about christianity and people don't know who is which country is the world's largest fastest growing church today do you know <laughs> i would say latin america central america catholics nepal nepal <laughs> oh my gosh break it down man yeah nepal is the fastest growing church is that right numerically okay and which is neighbor which is my neighbor of india <laughs> <laughs> right so uh, people are hungry and people uh, uh, christianity is white man's religion and it will always be but jesus belongs to everyone mm. <laughs> and uh, Jesus did not founded he didn't found Christianity he is not a founder of Christianity <laughs> white man is a founder of Christianity <laughs> yeah yeah so Jesus is working in cultures and he is reuniting he is building his own church he is not in the buildings but he is he is above the buildings and all yeah so Jesus is working and i believe that uh, evangelical christianity which has totally lost his vision and if there is a collect unless and until there is repentance mm-hmm. there cannot be reconciliation mm. so mm. yeah so we as a church has done a lot of damage and church needs to repent there is it's time for church to repent <laughs> <laughs> amen to that yeah and without repentance there is no reconciliation and without reconciliation there is no experience of power of resurrection of the lord mm say <laughs> uh, that's a good word right there brother that's yeah. a good word um obed this has been amazing man thank you for taking the time on a very cold day to come and educate a brother and yeah. <laughs> and listeners yeah, um for those of you listening i will put uh, these links to these books uh, in the show notes Uh, oh but where can folks find you where if they want to bring you out and hire you tenure track position and uh mm-hmm. get you paid you know as a full professor where where can where can folks get get at you they can write down an email to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i heard that i heard yeah. that okay yeah they can write down an email to me and they they can reach out to me anytime <laughs> okay they want to find me <laughs> I'll be found. <laughs> I'm not lost. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Okay, so what I mean, I know you're on Twitter and Instagram and everything. So yes. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. Twitter, I'll... Instagram, Facebook. I am there. I will put those in the show notes. Yeah. For folks to reach out to you. Oh, bad again. Thank you so much. You're for welcome. Coming after me. Appreciate welcome. you, man. Keep up the Thank good you. work. Thank you.